0: Welcome to The Creator's Adventure, where we interview creators from around the world hearing their stories about growing a business. Today's guest had a lot of success early on, but that came at the cost of extreme burnout. Mallory Rowan is going to show us how she overcame that burnout and how she helps others do the same. Hey everyone, I'm Brian McNulty, the founder of Heights Platform. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, we're here today with Mallory Rowan. When Mallory was 22, she built a global multi-six-figure e-commerce business on a student budget. She was scaling incredibly fast, but then it happened. She burned out and she started losing her hair. She started getting unexplainable rashes. Uh, she didn't even notice that she had pneumonia until a doctor heard her trying to catch a breath. Now she helps entrepreneurs build without burnout. More specifically, she helps them skip the burnout entirely, work less, but actually start earning more and do it on their own terms. She has been featured as a Shopify master, a Lululemon legacy ambassador, and one of United Way's people to know. Mallory, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. So, my first question for you is what would you say is the biggest thing that you did or you are doing? that's helped you to achieve the freedom to do what you enjoy?
1: I think for me is, you know, I kind of call it like the toddler question of, you know, little kids, they always ask us why about things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why, why, why? I don't think we do that enough anymore. So for me, it's really asking like why I'm choosing to do certain things, why certain goals even feel important to me at any given time, um, or translating that into like what does that actually mean if that's like a better question for someone so why or what does that actually mean so as an example you know people say oh i want financial freedom okay well what does that actually mean for you because that can look really different from one person to the next it could be 75k but picking up their kids from school for one person and feeling secure somebody else could be making two million and not feeling that financial freedom so really constantly asking myself like are the goals that I'm chasing actually mine? Or is it something I think I'm supposed to want? Because it's so easy to fall into those traps, especially in this online space. Of course, creators, coaches, all that, we see so many versions of goals. Um, but the loudest ones are always the like, more, more, more. And so for me, it's been stepping back and figuring out, like what do I actually want? And then what's a way that I can approach it where I'm not going to spend my whole life grinding with my head down to come out later, because we don't actually know what's going to happen later, how can I actually
0: Enjoy it along the way too. Awesome. Yeah, I really like that. I I like to think that way myself, and I think it's so powerful to constantly go back and and ask that question to yourself because, like, I can see so many scenarios of like, hear about this new marketing strategy or, or whatever it is, and you start working on that, and then months go by, and you think about why am I actually doing this? Like, it, am I enjoying doing this? Is this actually making an impact to move the business forward? Is it accomplishing my goals? And that can really help you identify the things that you can potentially change or even drop out completely because it may not actually be the thing you want to be doing.
1: Totally, and there's so many different tactics we see, and I think we all want this cheat sheet. It sounds really sexy, right? So we see somebody did this on TikTok and it really exploded, so maybe we can mimic that, or this person has a lot of success with email marketing, but I think it's really looking at, well, what are my own strengths? What do I actually enjoy doing? Because that's what's always going to get us the best result, and that's probably what's getting those people the results on whatever platform they're on.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's well said. I think like more than ever, there are so many things happening in social media and the world around us that it's it's not only tempting to to feel like you should try these things but like to some extent it's great to be aware of all that i think that the most important thing is to think about well what do you want to be doing yourself and like that that thing like would you also be doing it like 10 years from now and and focus on those things rather than worried about jumping to to every next thing it's fine to be aware of it but um it, it can be really easy to get caught jumping from every single thing that you hear to the next.
1: Totally, it's that sparkly syndrome we all have, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. So before starting your current business, you previously built three other businesses and by age 27, you'd reached the six figure level. Um, your first business was LVD Fitness. Can you tell us more about the early days of that? What was the most challenging part starting a business at such a young age? and How did that experience kind of shape the entrepreneurial journey that you have?
1: For sure. So I started my first business while I was still in post-secondary. It actually started in a class. Um, The year before, we did a group project. We came up with this like silly product I wasn't really passionate about, and I kind of dragged my feet the whole group project. So the next year, they really encouraged us to work on businesses that we actually wanted to pursue, which was really, in hindsight, like so great of the school to be um, structured that way. But that's what really led me to start a powerlifting business because my um, training partner and I at the time, um, we were kind of like the next generation of powerlifters. People pictured like the big bald tattooed, like big bellied guys. And that's not really what powerlifting was ever fully, um, but also not what it was becoming. There was a lot of like minimalist people getting into powerlifting, a lot of students. So we wanted a company that really represented us. So that was kind of what sparked it. And honestly, a lack of resources and budget. We had so many cool ideas for like these um, projects that would take so much research and development. And for us, we were like, well, the easiest problem we can solve right now is the fact that our community doesn't have something that's connecting us all as the sport was really growing at the time. And so we're like, you know what, we're going to start with this lifestyle brand. We're going to help athletes give back with every purchase. And then from there, we can always expand into those other projects. And we actually ended up just really running with that lifestyle brand because it was you know, even though it felt like a small need, it had such an emotional tie to people that it really did grow as it was. So that was a really cool experience. Also not having any budget for anything as students um, really challenged us to take advantage of all of the digital tools, or even uh, we did a lot of event sponsorships or like having a booth at events um, and just getting really in on the grassroots level. And I think learning everything from Every collection we would launch, right With an online business, especially being based out of Canada with things like shipping, there was a lot of kind of creative ideas that came just from a place of hitting obstacles. Shipping was really expensive. so we started launching bigger collections so that there was more things people could pick from. they could order with their friends and then you know offering a free shipping threshold. really looking at how can we you know take this thing that's kind of an obstacle and hurting us and actually use it for motivation to do something more creative.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I I like to talk about that a lot because I I feel like this is something that I'm constantly having to think about myself in business that like mm-hmm. we're not a massive company, we're we're not taking any any funding or anything like that and I don't plan to. So, mm-hmm. like we have these constraints that we have to work within and how can we use those in a creative way to have an advantage over competitors or or others um in that sense. So, I think that's awesome advice to Focus on how can you use those constraints or or what seems like a problem to actually your advantage?
1: Totally. I think small businesses fall into this trap of trying to pretend to look big, but when we're dealing Mm -hmm. with companies like an Amazon or, you know, even you have major, like big, big um, competitors, we're just it's so hard to try to fake being that size when there's like crazy amount of investment in those companies. So instead it's like, well, let's lean into the small business side. Let's share our more personal story, right? Let's share a founder story. Um, I had someone that, you know, had a candle business. And she's like, I put this pressure on myself that the second there's an order, I need to go make the candle and ship it out because I'm trying to compete with the Amazons of the world. And I'm like, well, you know, if you're actually making this candle, that is so cool that you're like doing that at home. Like, why not take us through that process? And you know, the next morning, automate an email sequence that says like this is what's happening to your candle now. Okay, it's going to sit overnight. By the time that candle arrives, like I already have this weird emotional connection with it of I know everything that candle has been through. I know that, you know, Susie so and so made it for me. And so it's leaning into that fact of, yeah, it's going to take a few days to ship out, but that's because I'm literally making this for you.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's a a great way to frame the whole thing and I think gives the consumer like a better experience that like they're more likely to even like leave a positive review after now totally. understanding that process.
1: Yeah, it's something that Amazon can't give them, right? They probably don't even really know what's happening in those like exactly. eight hours it takes them. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. All right. So in the in the intro, I mentioned how uh, you experienced burnout early on in your entrepreneurial journey. Can you recall? if there were any warning signs, um, maybe even that you ignored before it became a serious problem for, um, both like your personal and professional life.
1: Yeah. Um, there's an expression that says like the body whispers before it screams. So like if it, if you don't listen to it, when it whispers, it's going to make you listen when it screams. And I think burnout's a prime example of that, of a lot of the signs are mental, emotional, um, emotional. Everything of this feeling of like oh I can push through this or we think we have to have this mental toughness that we keep pushing through and kind of have it as a badge of honor. Um, and instead of pushing through we're actually pushing it down or pushing it down into our body and that's why later those physical signs come out of you know people will get shingles or for myself I had a lot of gut issues which is a common one or skin irritations. Um, so I think those early signs that I really missed at the time were things like, you know, feeling less like myself, having a little bit less of my personality. I think, you know, at honestly, at any age, we're really tend to be in transitional periods, but for myself, like coming out of post-secondary too, I'm like, oh, is this just kind of who I am now, right? Am I less fun now? Am I less bubbly? I felt really irritated easily, a lot more on edge. And these were things where, you know, you just kind of swallow in like, oh, I'm really busy. It's just a bit of stress. But I think those were those early signs where in hindsight, um they needed more attention and if i had stepped in then it wouldn't have gone to the place of the pneumonia and the crazy rashes and all that
0: got it so after experiencing that how did you manage to refocus your business and find the motivation to keep it growing because i think a lot of people once they hit something like that they can say like okay i'm done with this entrepreneur thing
1: yeah for sure i mean One, it really gets you in touch with like what you do need and your non-negotiables. Looking at how even like sleep is a great example, right? We think like it's a badge of honor to grind on a few hours of sleep. But if you actually read, there's several studies and books on sleep now and how like it's actually so detrimental if we're not sleeping, like the best thing you could do for your business is sleep eight hours. So sometimes it's about for me giving myself like the resources of education, like for me to read stats on sleep is what's going to get me in bed at like 930 or 10 versus somebody just telling me you should sleep more. So for me, it was really like, okay, what can I learn about this that will then empower me to make better decisions for myself? I think that was a really big one. And then going back to that question of like, what do I really want? And like, why do I want that? And am I doing a you know, a backwards circus way to get there when really there's maybe a more direct path if I cut out all that noise of what I think I'm supposed to do.
0: Got it. Yeah, that's great. So your company today helps entrepreneurs grow a thriving business without feeling burned out, without sacrificing everything. So how would you say now, besides like what you just mentioned, um, Mm -hmm. how would you balance multiple businesses and be able to prevent burnout at the same time. Can you share like some strategies that work well for you or for your clients specifically?
1: Yeah. I mean, one right at the bat is like learning no and that no is a full sentence. I think a lot of us tend to be people pleasers and realizing Mm -hmm. how much we're really jumping through hoops, just to you know, respond to that person's email that's pitching you something, or to respond in a certain way, or to give them the time of day of a call. Really finding those spaces of where are your hard no's and honoring those. Um, also, in terms of your work boundaries, like for me, I will like one in a million times work on the evenings or the weekends. If the weekends, it's usually just because some sort of like inspiration hits me. It's not out of an obligation. Um, it's just maybe on a Sunday morning something feels fun or. My other exception now would be like, if I'm like last night, I did a podcast with someone in Bali. So we're literally on a 12 hour difference. So like I did 6 PM, she did 6 AM. Like that's an exception I will make, but really like not always catering to other people is a huge one not assuming urgency with every project um i work with a lot of realtors as well where there's a lot that is urgent so it's really becomes hard to decipher and kind of get out of that fight or flight of like everything's a priority um especially when other people are asking for things from us i remember one time someone asked me to get a proposal to them by um friday night this was like friday morning and i was like oh do you think i could like you know, get it to you Saturday morning, because it was a pretty big project. And they were like, yeah, no worries. We're not going to look at it till Tuesday, actually. And I was like, wow, I was going to bend over backwards to like get this done. I was canceling everything. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll have it to you by end of day Monday then, right? But if I didn't push that even a little bit for my own boundaries, I wouldn't have found that out. Um, So I think really like learning no, learning your boundaries And constantly coming back to that question of like, is this still working towards what I want and not getting swept up in everyone else's schedule.
0: Yeah, I like that example that you just mentioned of of how, when you reached out to them. So, well, I would say it's like, oftentimes like your customers or your clients will ask for something and like, they don't don't know what they're asking for. They don't understand even that, that you're bending over backwards to do everything that you can for them. And like, really, if you did say no, like they wouldn't really feel bad. Um, So they're just trying to understand, you know, even if they ask for something that, that maybe it feels to you like unreasonable or like, oh, I can't, I don't do this for, for people that, that doesn't mean that they're like necessarily expecting that you have to do that for them. Even they just don't know. And so I think it's good to keep that in mind. And also in in saying no and, and understanding like what, what difference would it actually make for certain things where, if you yeah. can go through an exercise of saying like, well, what if I didn't do any of like X thing right now? And what if I left it until tomorrow? And I think entrepreneurs would often be surprised of like how a lot of times nothing bad will happen um, from yeah. just letting something be a little bit longer. And uh, so so often, like of course everyone, like you care about your customers, you care about your business. And I'm not saying to to stop doing that, but it's just that, you have this greater urgency in yourself than likely the the people contacting you or asking of you um, even do.
1: Totally. And I think there's always like an underlying ask, like in that example, what I can understand from that person is like, well, I I want to make sure that I have this when I go into this meeting with other people on Tuesday. So if that's the underlying ask, it's like, okay, well, you don't know me very well. And I'm a like, you can count on me. I'm a reliable kind of person. So there's no way you won't have this Monday. Right. But it might be somebody coming from a place where they're used to people where they have to give almost those fake deadlines, right. So that they mm-hmm. can make their deadline. And it's the same with customers. Sometimes a client asks for something that might feel really outrageous, but really the underlying ask is like, I need to, feel a little bit more uh, emotionally supported in this moment and so can we actually get behind what the on paper ask is
0: got it yeah definitely i think i think that's a great point so what role would you say personal finance plays in preventing burnout and building a sustainable business
1: Yeah, I think personal finance is everything. I think we need to be thinking of businesses, especially as entrepreneurs, like how is this business going to serve me as a person? What are those personal finance goals? Because that's really the business and the personal finance goals should be hand in hand. Um, I like to think of it as like an investment pit stop. So if you're, whether you are employed or self-employed, if you have something that's paying you and all you're doing is, you know, funneling that directly to you, you're paying your bills for the month and you're doing a little spending, um, it kind of traps you in this very like transactional relationship. Whereas if you're doing what I call like an investment pit stop, it's always making sure like Profit First uh, is a common book that kind of speaks to this idea of paying yourself first or your future self first. If we're making that investment pit stop and making sure like, okay, the money that's coming in is going to go towards something for future me. It's either maybe the stock market, maybe a real estate investment, something that's that financial goal, maybe an emergency fund even for starting out. That helps us separate from that source of income. And I think we've all been in those positions where maybe you have a job, I know I had this, I had a job with a really great salary, really great perks, and it makes it hard to walk away from it. But if you're making sure that that money is always going somewhere productive, I think it helps to give you that independence People also you know, talk about FU money. That's another example of like you're always able to walk away because you have some sort of savings, some sort of emergency fund. So I think that's really, really important to think about. Even though I give an employed example, it's the same thing. Like if you have a business that's no longer serving you and you want to move forward, it's looking and being like, wow, I've worked all these hours and sure, I've learned great things, but financially I'm in the same position. Whereas the same person could be in another scenario where it's like, Financially, I'm light years ahead because of what I did with that money coming
0: in. Yeah, I, I think that's a, an excellent point and kind of like a, not a cheat, but like a great way to make it easier for yourself to not be in this mindset of like worry and doubt and wondering like, well, what can I do next? Do I have any options? Because you don't have any of any of that money saved up. And like, yes, there's ways you can, can make it make it through i guess um without doing it that way but by setting aside some kind of emergency fund or something like that for yourself or paying yourself first then you're making it a lot easier on your your mindset and mentally to be able to say like i get to make a decision now like if i want to walk away from this if i want to accept this or not because you know that you have that buffer there for yourself and i think that's why like a lot of like in the tech world like companies take investments. It's not only to be able to like hire or grow or expand, but it's to be able to like have that comfort and like investors want the founders to have that comfort to know that they're not going to suddenly be homeless tomorrow or something like this. Right. And so if you can create that for yourself, then like awesome, because you are now at a position that you get to have this, this clear mindset at deciding what's the next thing to do without coming from this like place of scarcity or doubt.
1: Yeah, and like we said, it's learning yourself, right, of what kind of pressures feel good to you? For me, like a deadline is a great form of positive pressure of I can make something really great if I know that it has to be in by Friday and has to be like completely done. Um, for me, I recognized with my first business early on, like financial pressure was not a fun pressure for me. Like it would just totally wipe the creative process. Whereas something like finances, when I can think of big goals with finances, if I wanna like chase something that is super motivating, but coming from that scarcity side like you said, it's such a creativity killer for me. And like you said, it makes you super anxious. So really learning that balance of what's going to actually motivate you and what's going to put you in a really bad place to operate from.
0: Yeah, I like that. And and you're right, because actually the the finance thing, that may not be like the negative pressure uh, that everybody has to worry about. Like I've heard how uh, Grant Cardone would say that like he'll, he'll take everything that he earns and then he'll invest all of it and have nothing at the beginning of every year and then just have to do it over again and like for some people that that like for him that's motivation that like all right this is like this is how i'm going to do it i'm just like the deadlines motivation for yourself but for others that's like crippling anxiety and like i i don't want to have that situation because that stops me from being able to move forward
1: a hundred percent i always say like i'm somebody that needed like 30 grand in savings to quit my job and my partner needed like $3 in his bank account. And it's just very different, right? Whatever fuels you.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. I want to talk a a little bit about social media marketing now. So um, you mentioned that that's something that, that you're really into and specifically like tactics of how you can grow without spending money on advertising. I think that is really attractive to our audience and everybody watching and listening but it's it's really challenging to grow on social media so what would you recommend to somebody who says like this sounds good i i want to invest into growing my social media how would they get started
1: I think people forget it comes back to like the foundations of marketing. We see social media as its own beast, but really it comes down to knowing your brand inside out, knowing your customer inside out. I always say like a Friday night date test is if your brand and your customer was on a date on a Friday night, you should be able to tell me everything about that, right? What are they wearing? How are they talking? Where are they eating? Are they eating? Are they out for drinks? We should be able to know that inside out. I think a really great place is if you can find like a sub community, the internet allows so much space for niching within niches. I always use dude with a sign as an example, like the entire account is a guy holding a sign with a different message on it. That's how niche we can go, right? There's like weird accounts of like frogs pretending to be people, right? Like there's so much space on the internet that I think if you try to go too generic to appeal to everyone, it's really not going to work and it's not going to be as fun for you. If you can find that unique meeting ground of places for us with our first business, it was looking at those powerlifting athletes, but specifically those that were really um, socially driven and wanted to have an impact, but didn't have time. So like combining those two worlds. Um, I think that's a really big thing. And then the third is just... Not giving in to this like self-inflicted pressure of how we're supposed to show up on social. I think people see things that are working and they feel like they have to do it. Um, when Reels came out everyone was dancing and pointing and like it felt like people had like a gun to their head off camera because they looked (laughs) like they hated it like they were so awkward Mm -hmm. but they felt like it was like how they had to do reels and i remember i had sent an email at the time it was like seven ways to do reels without dancing and pointing and like the relief that people felt just to have tangible examples of like oh, okay. I actually don't have to do this thing, but we're just so quick trying to keep up with it that all of a sudden we're like dancing and like after cringing at ourselves, totally hating it. And it's just remembering like, there's lots of different ways to find your community online and you don't have to give in to the bigger tactics you're seeing.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Okay. So how about more for creating content then? Like, so you don't have to give in to to those tactics. What what what's a a great place to start then? If somebody's wondering like, well, what what do I actually create? What do I actually post about?
1: For sure. So, I kind of say there's like six categories you can have that will guide you of any type of topics that you want to talk about. So we want to be, um, you know, creating educational content that can look like a lot of different things, um, but something where we're giving our community a quick win. That's a really great one. If it's like, oh, I've, you know, there's probably someone you've seen, you're like, oh, I always learn something from their posts or I applied this thing that they taught me. And, you know, I, my, I put in this email trick and my email conversions went up. Um, that's a really big one. Um, Social proof, so you know whether it's customer testimonials, um, case studies about customers, could be that a podcast you're on or a media feature, I think a lot of people think when they're small they don't, they're like well I'm not in Forbes and it's like okay but there's probably a local podcast you could reach out to that has guests and that's still something you can use. Um, connection content would be the third one. So that's kind of like that sub niche community feel of what are things that just you and your customer would get, right? Are you people that love craft beer? Is that like a connection point you can have as a thread throughout? And that category is really gonna help us feel like more intimacy and like real people on the internet versus just another skincare brand or whatever it might be. Um, the fourth one would be anecdotes. So can you tell a story? Um, your own personal story. Even a lot of the stories I've shared with you today make for great content on the internet if I wanted to turn them into posts. Um, The next one would be promotional. So people either do way too much promotional or not enough, right? Every post doesn't have to end in a sale or we have those really shy people where you almost have to like do a where's Waldo of like, what does this person actually offer? Like, how do I actually work with this person? So always make sure whether, you know, it's not just a launch, it can be, um, talking about your payment plan options. It could be a walkthrough of the behind the scenes of making your product, but really talking about what it is you offer. And then the last one would be engagement. This would be like those quick hit reels of like, I think people think all of their content has to go viral. And that's why I like to put it as that category of, okay, you can create content with that goal of hitting a huge reach, but it doesn't have to be all of that content doing it. That's a specific category. So I kind of use those six categories. And then um, if you had even like, you know, three main things you love to reinforce in your business, that's 18 pieces of content if you just did one per category. And I can guarantee people can do way more than one per category, right? So that's kind of what I use as a base for all my students and I find it helps to get them instead of just looking at a blank page it's like okay what can I educate on and what kind of social proof do I have
0: Awesome Yeah I can uh, attest to like the storytelling and the importance of that like that's something mm-hmm. that I, I feel like I always understood but at the same time uh, I didn't understand it maybe well enough because like uh we don't do enough social media I think we we got to get a little bit better at that but um I thought like okay i want to educate people i want to help people learn how to grow as an entrepreneur how to to grow their course business their coaching business and so i thought like okay well we're going to share like for example we share clips from our podcast like this and mm-hmm. we at first were focusing more on like well where's like the the educational points that we can make sure we share to to share the really right. helpful information and that's good but people on social media like they want to be entertained as well and so, if you're just sharing this really helpful point, like somebody wasn't looking for that necessarily, and so yeah. they may just scroll right past it and and not actually get the value that you you think you can give them from that. And yeah. what really brought this realization to me is we had a post um, from when I was talking with Andrew Warner. Uh, he's the founder of Mixergy. He's done all the over 2,000 inter- interviews with entrepreneurs, and he was telling me this story about. His kids uh going out to sell lemonade and how Mm -hmm. he took them out to sell lemonade and they asked what to charge and he said well you can let's ask people to pay whatever they want and we made that into a clip and like honestly Mm -hmm. when i was talking with him during that episode like my goal was like to learn how to share how to be a better interviewer with our audience Mm -hmm. because that's what i knew he was an expert at so i actually didn't want to stay on like that topic too long but I'm really yeah. glad that he went through that whole story because we shared that story and we got like over 50,000 views, like almost 20,000 mm-hmm. likes on on that reel from posting it. And yeah. that made me realize like, well, people want to to be entertained and to hear a story. And like, there was value in it still. Like he was explaining the idea of like paying what you want and yeah. how it can make sense to try that even though you might feel nervous. And like, uh, he gave the example, his kids were nervous. They said, well, what if people only pay a penny? Like, are we gonna go broke from selling the lemonade? At right. the penny? And uh, so, yeah, he he had value in it as well, but the story was really what got everybody's attention. So I would say to people listening and and watching, like little stories about things that have happened in your life or that you can talk about is something that your audience can likely resonate with as well.
1: Yeah, it's that connection point that we're all looking for too. And like you said, there's always going to be a takeaway in a story. And I think it's the same way, you know, we joke of like, how you can remember lyrics to songs forever. I think stories have that same feel of, we can watch all the videos on like three ways to price your product, but what you're gonna remember is the story about the lemonade stand and the kids, right? So I think it really gives that tangible thing. It's the same, we talked about the candle woman with um, making the email series. That's probably what somebody's gonna remember to remind them, okay, how can I lean into that versus just the sentence of like, lean into the small business side of things, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, so on the show, we like to ask each of our guests to ask a question to the audience. So if you could ask our audience anything, whether it's something you just want them to think about um, or it's something that you're genuinely curious about, what would that be?
1: I think it comes back to that theme we've kind of had throughout of just, what do you really want? And ask yourself that like three more times. Whenever you get that answer, ask it again. What does this really mean until you feel like you're at the core of what you really want? And then ask yourself, is my business that I'm building actually supporting that?
0: Awesome. All right. Well, Mallory, before we get going, where else can people find you online?
1: Um, Pretty much any platform at Mallory Rowan. So, malloryrowan.com for my website, Instagram and TikTok are both at Mallory Rowan, Twitter as well. Um, Instagram is my main jam for sure right now.
0: Cool. All right. Thanks so much, Mallory.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: I'd like to take a moment to invite you to join our free community of over 5,000 creators at creatorclimb.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, check out the Heights Platform YouTube channel every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Central. To get notified when new episodes release, join our newsletter at thecreatorsadventure.com. Until then, keep learning, and I'll see you in the next episode.